This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Starting a new series. Y'all ready for something new? We're starting a series called Seasons. How many are ready for a new season? Sounds appropriate for New Year's, doesn't it? But it's a little more than that for us. Our family is going into new seasons. Our church is going into a new season. We all experience new seasons in life, right? And so I thought we would talk just a little bit. Uh, it'll probably be for the next, actually, I'll probably do two weeks, and then we'll have the 13th. Y'all don't miss the 13th. That will be, um, it's going to be a powerful day as we celebrate the, the 20th anniversary of this church, and also as my mom and dad passed the baton to Sean and I. And uh, we are, we're excited. We're excited. And uh, we thank you guys for your support in, in this. So, um, so anyway, we're starting this on series for the next, uh, like I say, we're probably going to talk about this for a couple weeks. We'll have Sunday the 13th, and then I'll probably go for a couple weeks after that. But our, our key, key scripture is going to come, uh, it's going to be Ecclesiastes 3.1. And y'all know this, but um, if you've noticed, I, I, I like the English Standard Version. I've been liking it a lot lately. So from the English Standard Version, Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, for everything there is a what? A season. A time for every matter under heaven. You know, we... Think of seasons, first off, we think of the physical four seasons, right? Spring, summer, autumn, and fall. And, or what I say? Autumn and fall. Autumn and winter. We have some pretty crazy seasons here. Um, don't you love it how one day it's 70 degrees and one day it's 30? If you're new to this region, welcome to Memphis, Tennessee. Get used to it. I looked up the word season because we refer to these times, these four times in a year, we refer to them as seasons, but what does the word season actually mean? And I looked it up, it said, a time characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. Makes sense, doesn't it? A time characterized by a particular circumstance or feature. So now while we recognize that there are four seasons that we experience each year, we have to also recognize that over our lives, we probably go through hundreds of seasons, maybe even thousands of seasons, if you really stop and think about it. And that's what I want to look at. I started thinking for a minute about all the Bible stories that we know and, and the different, different characters in the Bible. Think about, think about Adam and Eve. I'll tell you, the first big season he experienced was when God created woman. <laughs> he was no longer alone, right? That was a new season. How many of you know it was a new season when they made the decision to disobey God? Things changed. It was a new season. I was thinking about Noah. Can you imagine when they finally stepped off that ark? It was a new season. Abraham being told that he'd be the father of many nations. And then not seeing it until he was about 100 years old. What a new season. Moses, I thought about Moses, man, you go on and on about all the seasons that Moses walked through in life. Joseph, imagine going, being Joseph and going from being the favored child, your dad's favorite, and finding yourself in a pit and sold into slavery. And then all the seasons in his life that followed, about the new season that she entered. And then think about the new season when she walked in before the king, making her request. I'm going to talk more later about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but how about Mary and Joseph? They're betrothed, and suddenly they had a doozy thrown at them, right? Not only was she pregnant, but this was the coming Messiah. 
Jesus, when he started his ministry, three decades into his life, he entered a new season. And think about the new season when he was resurrected. And what his disciples, the new seasons they walked through, and especially once Jesus was resurrected and he ascended, suddenly they entered a new season as they helped form the early church. Paul's conversion definitely brought a new season. I was thinking about our lives and the seasons we go through. How many of you remember, how many of you can actually remember all the way back to when you started school? Kindergarten. It's a new season. You're no longer there at home eating grilled cheese sandwiches and watching cartoons and being babied by your mama. You now had responsibility. You had to color your paper or whatever you had to do in kindergarten. Think about when your parents started giving you responsibility and expecting more of you. It was a new season. When you graduated from school, boy, that was a new season. Moving forward in your life, living on your own for the first time, being financially responsible for yourself for the first time. It's a new season, isn't it? Having relationships, getting married, certainly a new season. Starting a job, buying your first house. And then I got thinking about when we had children, That was definitely a new season. And then we walked through all of our kids' seasons, right? And still do, yeah, even as they're grown and gone. About getting older, hitting the big 3-0 or 4-0 or 5-0 or 100-0, wherever you're at. 10-0. Think about when you surrendered your life to Jesus and you became a new creation. You entered a new season in life. As I said, our family, Sean and I, are entering a new season. Our, uh, our second child is starting college. <laughs> Woo. Our third is following right along. It's coming soon. No. <laughs> Obviously, our responsibilities, our responsibilities with the church are changing. Change, that's what seasons are about, right? And so today, I'm, I'm just going to start by laying the foundation. I'm going to give you three things, uh, three facts about seasons. So if you are new here, you can follow along. There's a note sheet in your service guide. You can follow along on the note sheet. You can also follow along on your, on your mobile device, your phone, or your tablet on the YouVersion Bible app. All the notes are on there, and, and uh, you can follow along from there. But three facts about seasons. And as we just said, number one, seasons bring change. Seasons bring change. Genesis 8.22, you guys know this. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. What's it saying? It's always changing. These things are going to keep changing as long as, what does it say, as long as the earth remains, right? These are things that we can count on to constantly change. We don't tend to like change many times. Sometimes we like change a lot. But, but many times we resist it and we don't like it, right? I was thinking about that. Change many times is it's unusual, it's different, it's uncomfortable. And so thus we resist it. And how many know along the way since time began, people have resisted change? I, got, I read a story a little while back and I found it and I wanted to read this to you real quick. It says, when railroads were first introduced in the U.S., some people feared that they would be the downfall of the nation. Railroads. 
The following is an excerpt from a letter to then President Andrew Jackson dated January 31st, 1829. So this was a letter to President Andrew Jackson, right? It says, as you know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speeds of 15 miles per hour by engines which in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, they roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops, scaring livestock, and frightening women and children. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speeds. It was signed Martin Van Buren, governor of New York. People resist change. We resist change, right? I was thinking, you know, when electricity was first discovered and, and they began trying to make it available to the general public, people felt electricity was something to fear, which, I mean, it is something to fear, but they felt that it was too dangerous for the general public to be able to use. How many of you remember, any, anybody in here that remembers their first television? Yeah? Uh, I was born with a television. Uh, <laughs> tubes, yeah. Uh, you know, people resisted televisions, and those things will fry your brain. I remember when video games came out, okay? That will, that's going to just fry their brains, which, yeah, sometimes it does. That's why we have 30 and 40-year-olds staying at home, not having jobs, playing cars and airs. But the telephone, cars and airplanes, obviously trains. How many of you remember when you could finally watch a movie at home on a VHS tape? Wow. I remember when the VCR came out. And, and how many of you know the movie companies were scared? The movie companies were suing. They were trying to stop this. They were like, nobody's going to go to the theaters anymore. It's going to be the downfall of the movie industry. They, I mean, it was all this uproar. Eh. It was the same with digital music, wasn't it? Cell phones. I, I, remember, I remember the first time I ever saw a cell phone. What about the internet? How many of you know there's some... There are terrible things that happen that are made easy because of the internet. And let me tell you, God has used the internet to spread the gospel so far. It's so much easier. The internet has made the world such a smaller place. It's amazing. All through history, people have hated and resisted new things. Why? Because of the uncertainty, the change, the unknown, the fear. It makes us uncomfortable when things change. Have there been negative consequences because of these things? Absolutely, there's been negative consequences. There's also been much good. But the world hasn't come to an end, like Martin Van Buren predicted when the train was invented. Here's the thing with seasons. Here's the thing with change. You guys know this. It's inevitable, right? It's inevitable. You can't stop change. You can't control it. We certainly try to sometimes, and usually we make a mess for ourselves, and we do. It's inevitable. It's coming. When, uh, when Sean and I, I guess, and Lauren, lived up north, we lived up in, in central Illinois, we discovered what wintertime really was. She grew up in Houston, and I grew, grew up in Memphis. Yeah, we, we found out what, what winter was. Remember that, that first winter? I, we have lots of pictures of that first winter. The second winter, I remember uh, getting 17 inches of snow overnight one night. Oh, I'd never experienced anything like that. Now, here's the deal. I could try to resist wintertime. I could have decided that, you know what? 
I'm going to resist it. I like wearing t-shirts, shorts, and flip-flops all year round. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Right? And I would have been dead. I would have been dead. Trust me. We almost died a couple of times. We got stranded in a snowdrift. Our car got caught in a snowdrift on the side of the, this country road one time. Man, I, I'm, I'm like in a pair of jeans and a hoodie. That's all I had. All this snow, it was terrible. Yeah, I, I, there was a moment I literally thought I was going to die that day. We can try to resist change, but seasons and change are inevitable, no matter how hard we try to fight it. John Maxwell said, when it comes to change, there are three seasons of timing. People change when they hurt enough that they have to, when they learn enough that they want to, when they receive enough that they're able to. Is that not true? I thought that was a great statement. People change when they hurt enough that they have to, when they learn enough that they want to, when they receive enough that they're able to. We live in a world of rapid change. I, I, truly, I believe it's changing faster and faster than ever before, and the evidence is all around us. And obviously, some of it's good and some, some of it is not. But here's the one thing to know as believers. Here's the one thing we're instructed to do in a world that's full of change. We know that Romans 12, 2 tells us not to be conformed to the world, but to be what? Transformed by the renewing of our mind. In the midst of all this change, we're not to resist it, but we're also not to conform to the world. That whole idea of standing firm and not conforming takes effort, doesn't it? it takes a lot of effort sometimes. And if we don't purposefully renew our minds, then we are going to, by default, conform to the world. By default. It takes effort. It's hard to go against the flow. I believe it's one of the absolute greatest challenges in the life of a believer. So number one, we accept the fact that seasons bring change. Number two, seasons bring challenges. Every season in our life, even the best seasons, are going to bring challenges along the way. How of you know there is a period in your child's life that many people like to refer to as the terrible twos? We decided that we were never going to call it the terrible twos. We, we decided that when Lauren was little, even though, gosh, that was a rough time, but but. We decided that we were never going to call it the terrible twos. We were going to call it the terrific twos. Here's reality. We were talking about the same season. Right? It is a matter of perspective. But we went through the same things that everybody else did. It's a time in your life. It's, it's simply referring to a season. It's talking about a season when your kids start trying to test the boundaries. Right? They start testing your standards. They push everything. Why? Because they're developing these ideas of right and wrong. And so in doing that, they start testing everything. How many of you would agree? How many of you that have children would agree that it's a challenging time? It's a season that will challenge you. Take you to your wit's end sometimes. Give you a few scriptures here. John 16:33 says, I have this is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Who wants peace? Well, here's the promise to follow. In this world, you're gonna have trouble. It's a promise. 
You remember back, uh, was it earlier in the year, maybe in the end of last year, that I talked about God's promises and about how they're generally conditional? If this, then God that. This isn't conditional. You will have trouble. It's a promise. It's a promise from God. We don't like to talk about this one. We don't like to claim it or quote it. But Jesus said, you will have trouble. And then he says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What's the promise? We're going to have trouble, right? He didn't list just one person's name. He was talking to all of us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, you're going to be tempted. And don't gripe and complain and think that you're all alone because everybody has to deal with these things. It's common. Temptation is common to mankind, to every single person, even Jesus. If Jesus went through it, we're going to walk through it, right? But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. Well, that's a relief, right? That you may be able to endure it. He's basically, that you may be able to endure it. Man, that part, that's telling me that there's going to be things I'm going to go through that I'm going to be tempted to think I can't make it. It's going to get so tough sometimes. He's having to reassure us, you will be able to endure this because I'm going to make a way of escape for you. So don't give up hope. James 1, 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Ladies, he's not just talking to the men when he says brothers. We all are going to have to endure trials of various kinds, not just one. It's like Baskin Robbins, 31 flavors? 31 flavors. <laughs> there will be more than 31. Romans 5, 3, more than that, we rejoice in our, what? Sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Doesn't that make you feel better? Suffering and dirt and, and produces endurance. Like when your dad tells you, it's okay, son, that builds character. You, know, you just want to, yeah, that makes it all better. First Peter 4.12, I read this, like I said, I read this from the, from the English Standard the other day, and this just kind of got me. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. I love the way he worded the end of that. Don't act surprised like something weird is happening to you, believer. When something, a fiery trial comes upon you. When you encounter something really, really hard in life, don't act like something strange is happening. He's saying, of course it's gonna. Right? It's quiet. Quiet, quiet. We can't stop and pray that there's no challenges along the way. We can't stop and blame God when something bad happens to us. He promised bad things would happen. It's not God's job to make sure everything goes smoothly in your life. There's going to be challenges. They're going to be tough. He promises it. But what's the one thing that never changes? Our God. And that changes everything. That's why we can stand firm in the midst of a world that's constantly changing. That's why we don't have to be conformed to the world. That's why we don't have to be tossed around by the waves and the things that the world throws at us. 
Does this make it easy? No. However, it makes it infinitely easier than doing it without him. We can actually walk through things with faith and with hope and with joy and with confidence. We can face the challenges head on. We can trust him when he said that we're more than overcomers. He's given us everything we need. So a seat and ready to take on whatever life throws at us. So a season is coming. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to bring challenges. It might even be fiery trials. But you're more than an overcomer because of who your God is. We can trust in Romans 8, 28, when it says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We can trust him at Philippians 4.13 when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can stand firm. Is it going to stop change? No. But we're going to be able to walk through it and come out the other side. So seasons bring change. Number two, seasons bring challenges. And thirdly, seasons bring fresh starts. Seasons bring fresh starts. The only constant in this life, the only thing that we can count on in this physical life is change. I don't know if you ever heard the quote, but yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift from God. And whether we like it or not, we, lo- we love to blame things and people for where we're at in life. But the choices we make are ultimately our destiny. you're wondering why you are where you are, it's your decisions. It's the choices that you've made along the way. Have bad things happened to you? Absolutely, sure they have. Probably some horrible things. But it's our choices that bring us to where we are, and it's our choices that determine where we go. Are you an agent of change, or are you a victim? The choice is yours. Talk about technology. Man, somebody just rang my doorbell. Anyway, (laughs) that's not a good thing. How we view seasons of life, how we view them, changes everything. How Understanding how we view, respond to, and benefit from change is vital to living a balanced and fulfilled life. So we've talked a lot about the negatives of change. But the new seasons we walk into... They bring new opportunities. They bring second chances. They bring fresh starts. It's all in how we view it. How many of you know that we serve a God of second chances? We serve a God that makes all things new. Revelation 21, whole five. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Not just did he say that, behold, I'm making all things new. He goes on to make the statement, you can trust this, believe it. We serve a God that makes all things new. The new seasons in our life bring new opportunities. Job 8, 7. Though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. How many of you want to stand on that? 
Isaiah 43, 19 says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Don't you see it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. It doesn't matter what you're going through in life. God is saying this here. Don't you see it? I'm making all things new. I'm bringing a new season. Have you know that many times we can't see it? Because we're so wrapped up in the circumstances and everything else going on around us that we're, we can be completely blind to it, can't we? We can't see what God is doing. And I may have told you a while back, I, I saw this one day, the, a, a tapestry. It was like, a, it was a mess. And I, I believe it was just our world today. And it was just, it, it, it was just the ugliest thing I'd ever seen. In the middle of it, there was this ribbon, this red ribbon that was flowing right through the middle of it and making this straight line right through the middle. And I thought, we see the, the chaos and the mess of the world so much. But God's even using those things to his advantage, to our advantage. And he's weaving his purpose and his plan right through the middle of it. Who in here is weary and tired? How many of you need a redo, a second chance, maybe a 20th chance? A new season is coming. Don't give up. Don't give in. There's a new season coming. New seasons bring hope and bring opportunity. And there was actually on, I don't know, by Thursday, that was kind of the end of what I had. I knew there was something I was missing. And, and on, on, on Friday, I, I kind of got something else I wanted to go into for a minute. Because, you know, I, at the beginning I said that change is inevitable. That, there, that we can't stop it, we can't control it. And that when we try, we mess things up. And, and I stand by that. We, we can't stop change. However, with that said, again, let's look at it from a different perspective. We can't stop the seasons and change. Do you know that we can bring about new seasons? We can instigate change? Because sometimes, sometimes we're in a certain season simply because of the choices we've made up to that point. Our response to new seasons, to change, to, talent, to challenges, that's what determines our future. Seasons can't destroy, can't destroy us. Only our choices can. Do you know you can make a decision? You can make a decision that will bring you out of one season and into another. You're not stopping change. You're instigating more change. Maybe... Maybe you're in a season of financial distress. Many people are coming out of the holidays. Maybe you're spending more than you're bringing in. Maybe you have debt out the wazoo. You can continue in this season that you're in, and things will get progressively worse over time. Or you can buckle down and make some tough choices, and you can bring about a change. You can get your finances under control. You can seek help. You can follow God's word. And those decisions will bring you into a new season. Will it happen overnight? No. We don't go from winter to spring overnight. It takes time, right? But if we stick to those decisions, we will see the results of it. Maybe, maybe you go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with cancer. Some of you here have been through that. 
That's a new season, isn't it? However, you have a few choices to make. I've known people in that situation who have heard that news and decided that they're going to die. I'm going to die. I'm dying. And that's it. And they do. You can respond in fear. How many of you ever walked through a season of fear? You can also decide that you're going to take God at his word and you're going to stand in faith. And that too will take you into a new season in your life. There may be things that you're going through in your life and you know the way out. How many of you have ever been going through something in life and you knew the way out? You just couldn't make the decision to step out of it. You ever been walking through something and the reality is you really knew what to do? But you kept seeking counsel and going to people and going, what do I do? i got this situation. And down deep, when you look back in it, especially in hindsight, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? You knew what you had to do. Maybe you weren't strong enough. Or maybe you just didn't want to enough. Didn't want to make the change. Didn't want to do what really needed to be done. I told you we were going to go back to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a moment. I was thinking about these guys the other day. And... Can you imagine the change, the challenge that these four young men and all the other young men that were with them, what they went through? Born and raised in the promised land. And then here come the Babylonians. And they pillage and destroy and rape and kill and take slaves and all this. And they haul them to Babylon. Most of us today... We would just be bitter. We'd be broken, ready to die. We see something different in these four young men. I can't imagine they probably, they probably saw many, if not most, of their, their father, fathers murdered. They probably saw their moms and their sisters taken as slaves and concubines and everything else. And then they're hauled out. Not only were they hauled to Babylon, but Babylon tried to change their identity, tried to steal it from them, changed their names, made them learn and start using a new language, made them learn about new gods. Can you imagine what these four young men went through? I think most folks who were not surrendered to their God would have been done would have been a mental mess. But through all this change, through all this change, there was probably a lot of those young men who didn't make it. You know, basically Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all these other young men, they, 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 they had looked upon these young men and saw them as what seemed to be the smartest and the best looking. And they were like, well, let's see what they can do for us. So we're going to raise them, we're going to make them into Babylonians and see, what, see what, how we can use them in Babylon. Now, if you know, there was probably a lot of those young men who didn't make it. Probably some of them cried and kicked and screamed and they were killed or made slaves. We see something different with these four young men. And the big change that I see comes when they're sitting at the king's table and they're served the king's food which went against the dietary laws. 
that they had been raised under that we read about in the Old Testament. They've got the, the food look at, sitting there in front of them. And the Bible says that Daniel set his mind that he would not be defiled. That is crazy to me. How awesome. That this young man, in the midst of suddenly being in the king's court, he went through this terrible stuff. He's sitting in the king's court. He's given everything. He's given the best food to eat, trying to fatten him up. He's being taught by all these scholars and all these people. He doesn't just reject what's happened to him. He's got to look at this situation and say, okay, this has happened. There's nothing I can do about that. But what I see here is he made the decision that he was going to follow God no matter what, no matter what came his way. He wasn't giving up. He was trusting God and standing firm. He set his mind, he set his will that he would not be defiled by Babylon. No matter how much they tried to steal his identity, no matter how hard they tried to take his past and who he was, he would set his mind to follow the living God. This is one of the best examples I can think of of somebody making decisions in the midst of a season. Because what do we see happens when Daniel makes his decision? We find that he was highly favored. He was favored by the, by the servant who was giving him the food. Who Y'all know how that went. He was found to be among the smartest and brightest. He was promoted to be a great leader in Babylon. He was shown unparalleled favor because of the decision that he made in the midst of horrific circumstances. How many of you know that we can do the same thing? It doesn't matter how good or how bad the season is that you're walking through in life. Your, de- your decisions, your choices will determine what happens next. We can sit and we can cry and moan and complain. Or we can say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow you no matter what. 2018 may not have been a great year for you. And you may already have said in your mind, 2019 is going to be the same thing for me. Same thing, going around the same mountain, same issues, because I'm this and I'm that. You know what? That's exactly what will happen. That's exactly what will happen. Or you can make the decision that 2019 is going to be the best year yet because I trust what God says about me. And I'm going to follow him no matter what good or what bad comes my way. I'm going to stand firm because I'm a new creation. I'm a child of the king. I believe what he says about me. God is who he says he is and he does what he says he does. And I am who he says I am. Amen? This could be the most difficult season in your life, but it can lead to the greatest moment in your life, depending on how you respond. We can't fear what's to come. We need to see the opportunities for fresh starts and new beginnings. And know this. This is one of the last things I thought of in this. We're talking about fresh starts and new beginnings. How many of you know that your fresh starts and your new beginnings will be challenged? That's why most people don't ever keep a New Year's resolution. 
Much less our commitments that we make to God at different points in our lives. We stick with them for a few weeks or a few months, and we run into some difficulty, and it just kind of falls apart, and we continue on the same way, right? Your fresh starts, your choices, your commitments, your new beginnings, they're going to be challenged. They're going to be challenged along the way. You will face opposition, but we've got to renew our mind like the Bible says. The Word of God will cause your mind to change the way it reacts and the way it responds to situations and to crisis. We all have areas where we know we don't respond well to certain things, to certain stimuli. God's Word, renewing our mind, will change the way our mind, the way our soul responds in different moments so that we can make better decisions. So what changes do you need to make? I tried, one of the things Sean was kind of talking about, about, you know, what are the areas in your life where you need to repent? What are some of the changes that you really know that you need to make in life? There's a new season coming. What do you need to do? It may be something simple. I, uh, at the end of 2017, I realized I used to be an avid reader. And at the end of 2017, I realized I had hardly read any books that year. So I made the decision that in 2018, I was going to read two books a month. I got behind for a few months at one point. But as of last week, I finished 26 books. Uh, no, please, no, please don't. <laughs> Trust me, I've failed at far more things. <laughs> I, I was digging for a good example, right? <laughs> maybe, if you, maybe, uh, maybe you rarely crack open your Bible outside of Sunday. Or pull up your Bible on your electronic device. If you're going to renew your mind and change your perspective, then you've got to get into the Word a lot more than that. You know, talking about having a digital Bible and all that, man, it's been bugging me for the last couple of years because I, I, I never crack open a paper Bible anymore. And it's been bugging me, not because, not because I'm devoted to, you know, a, book, a physical book, but because what I found was, I can't remember so many scriptures that I remember. I, I remember a lot of the scriptures, but I can't remember where they're found anymore. And I used to have the books of the Bible memorized, and I, I tried again a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't, I kept getting stuck at different places. And I was like, I really need to get away from this where I can type in two words and, oh, there it is, and have the scripture. And so um, that's one of the things, I know some of you already know this, and, and some of you have already jumped in in the last week or so, but, but <laughs> big old thick Bible, right? Somebody a few weeks ago gave me this chronological life application study Bible. It's in the New Living Translation. This thing is awesome. I, I encourage everybody. I'll actually put the link up on, um, on, Amazon, on the Facebook page of the Amazon link. It, it generally runs um, between $30 and $45, depending. But I got started in this, and it's incredible. And Sean and I decided that this year... I, here's the other thing. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I systematically read the Bible through in a year. And Sean and I made the decision that this year, 2019, we're going to do this together. We're going to follow along in the Chronological Life Application Study Bible. And I would encourage you guys. This is, in the New Living, for one thing, man, it's an easy read, but it's got great commentaries in it. It tells you what else was happening along the scriptures that you're reading and the stories. It tells you what else was happening at the same time and where, and it's just really incredible. It gives you this, just this fresh perspective. 
And so I know uh, some of the leaders of the ladies' ministry, they've, they've committed to follow along. And I encourage you guys, if, uh, if several of you want to do it, I'll create, a, I'll create a Facebook group or something where we can share thoughts and things each day. I've even got a, um, a plan. This, this person who gave this to me, she, uh, she leads a small group, and, and they get together twice a week. They, they read this together each year, and they meet twice a week to talk about what they read. And she broke this down so that you read the whole thing in 365 days and broke down the reading for each, for each day. And, um, and I, will, I will certainly share that. But guys, we have got to get back into the Word of God. We have got to change our mind. And the only way to renew our mind is to get back into God's word. It's the only way. We've got to make a decision. We've got to set our mind. So I encourage you guys, dig into the word. We've got to change our heart. We've got to change our attitudes. That comes through renewing our mind. I want to kind of leave you with this. Any of you know this from Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, again from the English Standard? Make this your prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. The Message Bible actually ends that last verse 12. It ends it with, put a fresh wind in my sails. How many of you, your prayer for 2019 is that God would put a fresh wind in your sails? That it would be the best year yet? Anybody here need a fresh start? A new season's coming. We can't be fearful. We can't listen to the lies of the enemy. We got to embrace it with confidence in the Lord and know that our best days are ahead. A new season is coming. Let me have the worship team come up. Y'all go ahead and stand up. Actually. As they come up and begin to play, let, pray, let's just, let's just close our eyes for just a moment. All over this place. may be in a place right now where the seasons of life are kicking your tail. The very first thing I would encourage you to do is, is examine your relationship with the Lord. Where are you at? It's funny, I ask people that sometimes. I'll say, how's your relationship with the Lord? I'll ask them that when they're going through tough times. And they always say, well, good, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I think we do know. I think we do. How is your relationship with the Lord? If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, that is most obviously, that is the first step. Today can be the day that all things become new. Today can be the day that you become a new creation. Does it mean that suddenly life will get easy? No, no of course not. Sometimes it gets a little more difficult. <laughs> but the change, difference is we got the creator of the universe walking with us. We have the Holy Spirit filling us. And we can trust that God will do the heavy lifting along the way. 
We can lean on him and he'll lead us and he'll guide us. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment. I'm not asking you to make a commitment to join the church or anything like that. But you do need to be born again. Jesus said, without it, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. In the end, when this life passes away, it is a heaven and hell issue. People don't like to talk about that much these days. But where are you headed? It's not just a heaven and hell issue. When you receive Jesus, eternal life starts today. You can experience life today. Life doesn't start in heaven. You can experience that newness of life. You can walk in confidence in your God. You can stand firm. You can set your will that you won't be defiled by the world. You can step into purpose and destiny that you were created for. How are we born again? The Bible tells us that we repent of our sin. We confess Jesus as Lord of our life. Believe that God raised him from the dead. He says that we'll be saved. 1 John 1.9 promises that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If you're here and that's you, or even if you're watching online, we're going to pray together in a moment. I don't want you to focus on the words. It's not about the words. It's about your heart. Is your heart surrendered? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I give up on doing life my way. And I choose that I'm going to follow you to the end. I'm going to follow your will and your purposes. And I'm going to let you lead and guide me from now on. If you do that, the Bible says you become a new creation. The old passes away and all things become new. Doesn't matter if you've prayed it before. If you right now recognize that your life is not surrendered to Jesus, say this prayer with us. Mean it with all your heart and trust in God. Let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. Without him, I have no hope. I have no chance. I don't have fresh starts. I don't have new beginnings. I'm just lost in my sin. So today, I repent. I repent of living life for myself. I repent for living life my way. I repent for not making you first. I surrender. I give up. I surrender my life to you. I allow you to take the reins. I allow you to lead me and guide me. I choose to trust in you. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me, that I can be everything that you've called me to be. I will follow you all the days of my life from this day forward, in Jesus' name, amen. 
that's you and you made a decision today to surrender your life to Jesus, I want to talk to you for just a minute at the end of service. So I want you to come up. I'll, I'll be down here on the floor. I want you to come up right in front of the stage and come talk to me for just a moment. I want to give you a little direction. But before we conclude, I want to ask our prayer partners to come down. They're going to be down on the sides of the stage down here, our, our elders and pastors. And before everybody heads off, I know, I, I know you're getting hungry. I know you're looking forward to lunch. But if you would give us three or four more minutes, we're going to sing one more worship song. And I would ask, do you need a fresh start? Do you find yourself in a place where you're ready for a new season? Do you need that fresh wind in your sails? You want 2019 to be the best year yet. Are you ready to make some change? I'd invite you as we sing this song, I'd invite you to come down and just let one of the prayer parts, you don't have to share anything if you don't want to. Just come down to one of the prayer partners and say, pray with me. I want a fresh wind in my sails and I want to see the best year ever. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.